just start doing the math in your head, 10 developers times how many machines times how many accesses. I mean, it just gets so big, so fast um, that that's the, the issue that you run into. You can't, you can't do this um, haphazard and you can't do it piecemeal anymore. A spreadsheet is not an effective manner of controlling this stuff. Welcome to the DevSec for Startups podcast, the show that makes security a first-class citizen for small businesses. My name is Jeremy Hess, Head of Developer Relations at Aquilas, the secrets management SaaS platform. This interview podcast brings security experts and practitioners together to offer practical and actionable ways for startups to implement security best practices using shift left principles without interrupting developer life cycles. Our first ever guest on the show is the one and only Dr. Chase Cunningham. He's best known for his mon- by his moniker, Dr. Zero Trust, being the originator of Forrester's Zero Trust Extended Framework. I'm really happy we managed to catch Chase for this first episode, as he always has superb insights for us. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. I'd like to give a very warm welcome to our first ever DevSec for Startups guest, Dr. Chase Cunningham, also known as Dr. Zero Trust. Chase, it's great to see you again and talk to you. Can you uh, go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I think this is the uh, first time I've ever been first something, so uh, I, I call that a win. Um, yeah, I'm re- retired military, did a bunch of work for the government, uh, worked at Forrester for a few years, and uh, just have been doing consulting and other things on the far end of that. And um, meantime, finished, you know, hopefully hopefully raising some relatively productive humans and uh, wrote some books as well. So tried to stay busy. Yeah, actually, remember we had you for our KeyConf, uh, Keyless's KeyConf event in New York City, and you gave uh, a keynote uh, talk there, and you also signed a few books for us. That was uh, really cool. I think the audience really enjoyed that. So yeah, that was a blast. That was fun. Nice to, nice to get out of the house. Yeah, really cool idea for a book. Rather than just writing a general book about cyber or zero trust, you actually made it into like a novel, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm working on the second version right now, so. Cool. All right. So a novelist, not just uh, <laughs> I anybody not, read them or write them. Yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll definitely read them and uh, we'll get some hopefully reactions from the uh, audience as well to whoever has actually read it. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and, and get into this a little bit. You know, of course, we're a start a, a startup podcast slash small business podcast. And what we're trying to do is make sure that everyone understands that security is super important. Um, for even the smaller companies, you know, you only have a few developers, but you really got to make sure you bake security into what you're building now. Cause you never know in the future, what's going to happen. And as you're growing, you might reach some, some really problematic walls that you can't get through and you have to refactor and change everything. So, uh, you know, building on that, what do you think would be a top of mind for a small business in terms of organizational, as well as developer security? Well, I think one of the things that occurs most often is small businesses uh, typically have this idea that they're not a valuable target, that they're not really worth an adversary's time. And you are. Um, You're creating valuable intellectual property. You've got something that's of use. But on top of that, um, you have resources that you've spun up that someone would love to get their hands on for a whole bunch of reasons. I think I just read a report the other day that talked about one of the most um, prolific things for an adversary to do in the cloud now is crypto jacking, you know, to jump into your cloud, use it for crypto mining, and then they take that stolen crypto and go off and use it for whatever purposes. Uh, And funny enough, if you go through that, 
I mean, you could inadvertently be helping supply Bitcoin or stolen uh, crypto to like North Korea. Um, how would you like to be the business that was tied to that when it comes out on the far end? Not a, not a good look. Um, and then the other piece is if you're doing development work, which a lot of us, you know, write apps or create apps, especially nowadays, because you don't even have to have a computer science degree to create an app um, that could be extremely valuable. You really need to make sure that you're taking care to put security protocols in place before you run that thing to market, um, not after. That's a that's a way to introduce problems, uh, and it it really will degrade the value of your position in the market when you have to pull your app back to go fix security problems. Don't don't be that that developer. Yeah, well, uh, let's hope that uh, it's uh, not Elon Musk and Dogecoin that uh, has to deal with any problems like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dogecoin, there's so many coins now, I can't even keep up with them all. But I I, I think um, the article I read said that Google was doing some research and they, they just spun up cloud resources and didn't do a good job securing them. And I think on average, it was about 27 to 30 minutes, somebody was in there dropping crypto miners on those machines. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Things are, things are not looking up necessarily for security. I think we need to make sure that security is ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, making sure that things are, you know, secured and from your organizational perspective, because we really can't have people, you know, getting into a network, moving laterally and, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen to your data and actually going back to what you mentioned with uh, small businesses, I actually uh, read uh, that there's a study by a company called Bullgard where they found that 43% of SMB owners have no cybersecurity defense plan in place at all, right? So going to back to, you know, securing a small organization, what do you think, you know, from if you had to think about this question, what would be your first step as a small organization uh, in securing your company? Like what would be the, the number one security issue that you think you would have to deal with and that businesses in general are facing today? Well, I mean, I would say provided I know what I need to defend, right? What I'm responsible for would be first. I need to know the the space. I need to know my assets. I need to know what is uh, what is required of me to take care of um, so that I can actually care and feed for that beast. And then second, uh, and there's data that I did a study that validated this. I'd take care of identity and access management, users, passwords, you know, tokens, all those things, secrets, whatever you want to call them. Because if you don't take care of that, um, and I think the stats are staggering on that's what's used by the adversary. You're not, you don't have a chance. I mean, that, that other stuff comes later. It's a more difficult problem to solve. Take care of usernames, passwords, and access management. I mean, uh, other stuff comes, comes later. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, uh, of course, working with Achilles, we're very into talking about this idea of keeping your secrets and your, your credentials safe. So it really does seem to, fit this gamut of everything around your organization has some sort of credential. Something is, is always able to be, you know, leaked, forgotten, misplaced, whatever it is. So it, it seems so difficult. So as a small organization, even if you only have, let's say 10 developers, I mean, you could probably still have some decent secret sprawl there. Couldn't you? Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a factor. I mean, if you really think about it, um, by the time let's, you know, if you have 10 developers, just start doing the math in your head, 10 developers times how many machines times how many accesses. I mean, it just gets so big, so fast um, that that's the, the issue that you run into. You can't, 
you can't do this um, haphazard and you can't do it piecemeal anymore. A spreadsheet is not an effective manner of controlling this stuff. And it, it, it will degrade your ability to get to market as well um, because developers, they get paid to ship code. They don't get paid to do security. So you need to put security in front of them and make them where, make them operate securely without it being a problem for them. Yeah, we spoke about that actually before we started officially uh, recording for the podcast where we said, just it's just the way it is, right? You, you, the first thing you want to do as a, as a company these days is you say, well, we need an MVP, right? We need our product up and running. We need to get clients. We need to bring in money and then we get investors. But you're not thinking, well, what we need to do is we need an MVP, but we also need to make sure that we're securely, securely delivering and deploying it and, and offering that because we can't have issues already from the beginning. So I think it really seems to be very imperative that even when you're building a minimum viable product, you know, just to get to market, you really should still think about what are the holes, what are the, the ways that any attacker could find to get into your, your uh, system. Yeah, you should be, uh, that's the thing I try and get people to understand most often is this, if, if you really break it down, it's not a defensive mindset. You need to wrap your head around an offensive mindset of if I was the adversary, what would I be looking for? You know, you're, you're never going to be perfect in your defense. So just be real about that. But you want to boil off the easy avenues and you want to make it where it's not worth their time and effort to do bad things to you. Um, I, you know, it's uh, it's running from the zombie horde. If you trip and fall, you know, sucks for you, but I'm going to keep on running. Um, and I, I don't have to be perfect. I just got to be faster than you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So going back a little bit to, you know, discussing issues with um, how we would, you know, what we would face, like what was, what's like a number, you know, top of mind security issue that we would be facing today. What would be, what would be the ways to already proactively think about fixing or dealing with these kinds of issues? Well, I mean, the solutions are in the market now that can take care of a lot of the problems that uh, people are going to face, you know, being able to do management of all these accesses being able to make it where it's painless um the you know the developers and then the people writing and shipping code can just integrate it into their pipeline that makes it um where it's i guess you could call it production security instead of add-on and that that's the difference maker uh you want this you want this to be part of the pipeline part of the process part of the methodology um and to do that you've got to put a capability in play that is part of that pipeline, part of that methodology. So it's got to be lightweight. It's got to be integrated. Um, and it's got to be something where you don't have to have a degree in security to use the technology. Um, if I can't, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, like, I'm a bad developer. I write really crappy code. You would not want me writing anything for production. But I understand the ability to integrate security into that pipeline. And, and if you're a developer, be able to do it five or six or seven different ways because that's what people like. You know, I want to do it from the terminal. I want to do it from a UI. I want to do it from wherever. Um, you know, you know, click, 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 bang, and make it go. Yeah, always got to be like the path of least resistance to be able to do all the work that I really want to get done, but also don't bog me down. Like, don't make me, you know, build and you know log into extra places and and add extra applications on top that i have to configure and deal with myself put it in place have it be sort of seamless where i don't even notice that it's part of my regular flow 
Yeah. It, 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 the moment that you get in the way of people doing what they're getting paid to do, which developers get paid to ship code, remember that your security control becomes less valuable. And that that's a hard thing for us to get our heads around because for the longest time, security practitioners, we've wanted to say, you know, get in the way, make security where it is, you know, gates, guards, dogs, et cetera. Um, that's not going to work. It, it slows business down. It causes degradation of capability. Uh, you will lose. When I, when I go up and have that conversation as a security person against someone that's shipping code that brings in dollars, I'm a cost center. And if I'm a cost center, I lose. If they make money and I cost money, they, they win. So that you need to make it where you are not a cost center. You are not degradation of service. Uh, and you're not slowing speed to market. And you can do that if it is from the ground up and if it is part of that pipeline. Yeah, I think that was like the next, uh, the next segment is how do you make sure that you can actually integrate those things into, you know, early on? And also what would the costs be if you really didn't think about security until you were already, you know, a 500 strong developer company? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I think the the numbers I saw was I can't I can't remember who did the study. I want to say it was uh, the Better Business Bureau or something like that. But they they did a study that validated that people are more willing to um, work and put and give their money to companies that can say this is how they do security. I think it was like fifty five percent of people. So it is a competitive differentiator, and it is something that you that you need to make as part of that process. And even if you don't understand that, if you just argue away that you know say that that's a stupid statistic, okay, fine. If tell me that you would not cause loss of business if you put something out into prod and then you realize there's a major security issue and you had to pull it back, how much time and how much business would you lose there? Even if it's not that you accept this reality of some of the other data. So it has to be from the ground up and it, it has to be part of the plan and program. And you want this to be care and feeding. This is, you don't want to you don't want to have the the baby be out there and then go, oh, we got to feed this monster. You know, now we have to make it part of the process. It's got to be grow with the business, grow with it. You know, it, if you have 500 developers two years from now, it's way better to make it where when you onboard them, they understand that this is how you do business rather than we have 500 developers. Oh, crap. We should figure out security. Yeah. And that's uh, also when most companies seem to be are only starting to really think about security because all of a sudden regulations, you know, compliance. whatever. Yeah. Compliance. Exactly. And compliance is a, an, a we could do a, another three episodes probably on, on just compliance. I'm sure. But I'm what probably do you not the person you want to have on those because uh, I'm not a fan of compliance. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So well, let, me, let me, actually, let me change it. I'm a fan of compliance because compliance sets the bar. Compliance is not the ceiling. So just, you know, folks should remember that. Don't. That's interesting. Don't, don't strive to be compliant. You know, compliance is necessary because it is the bar. Do better. Well, okay. That's a, that's a great, great thing. I, I didn't actually ever think about it that way. I think I always had in my mind the idea of compliance being, well, these people who, you know, built their system of compliance and, and how things need to be done, that they're just, they know, they know so deep you know, deeply technologically, they understand exactly what goes uh, on in terms of all the, the architectures and the infrastructures and systems that they know. And if you're going to build compliance uh, procedures, you're probably going to build it in the strongest manner, right? You're probably going to 
have it be ready for anything. But what you're saying is not necessarily, I guess, from your background, you've, you've dealt with probably even compliance from the other side about like sort of being part of teams that maybe build compliance uh, methodologies. Yeah. I mean, I, I also remind people every organization that's been breached was compliant. So compliance obviously is not the ceiling. And I, I think that it's valuable to wrap your head around this statement too, is Think of compliance like a seatbelt on a jetliner on a 737, right? I have to have it because the FAA says I have to have it to back away from the gate. I need to have it because if things go bad in the air, I don't want to bash my skull on the ceiling of the plane. However, if everything goes to hell and the plane hits the ground at four or 500 miles an hour, a three inch strip of nylon does not save me. But you're compliant. But you're compliant. That's a, that's, that's a tagline. Maybe we should, you know, have t-shirts, but you're compliant. But I was compliant, right? But I was compliant, right? SolarWinds, but I was compliant. I was compliant. Okay, good. Congrats. So was everybody else. So was everybody else. No, 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 no bad guy has ever said, oh my God, a compliant environment stopped. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That's that's actually uh, well. I mean, that's just the way the world we live in, right? I mean, an attacker that really wants to get something done, they don't care what you have, how you have it. They're going to find some way in, and you know, it's up to the organizations to find ways. And and like you said, starting with security from a small organization and growing that as you know organically with the organization as it grows means you already have that baseline of security. And yeah, whether you're compliant or not as long as you're, you're hardening your security properly, you know, and as long as, as you're growing, your developers are all compliant with the rules in-house, you build a stronger product, you know, overall, right? Yeah. I mean, technology is an enabler. We need to remember that. And security technology is an enabler if used correctly. And it, it, I, I honestly, I don't, and I, I talk with some pretty big organizations all the time about this. I don't want to make anyone else a security person that isn't a security person. I want you to do your job. If you're an HR, if you're a developer, if you're finance, whatever, do that because that's what you're good at. Don't don't do that and be a security-ish person. That's not going to work. I want to put technology in place that makes it where your experience is secure or securer by the nature of the technology you're using. Um, you don't have to be an internal combustion engineer to know how to get in a car and buckle up and drive where you got to go. Right. But you got to learn how to be a, a safer driver of the vehicle, right? You got to, but the key is you're able to get into the car and drive, right? And the car, yeah, the car is inherently safer than it was 20 years ago. Remember when airbags were optional? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, seatbelts weren't necessarily a thing I, either. I grew up in a world time. where seatbelts were optional. You know, it didn't even ding when you didn't have a seatbelt. My parents were like putting their arm across you as you were driving down the road. Yeah, I remember having a few close calls. My mom uh, having to slam on the brakes and just putting her yeah. arm out and just holding yeah. me back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up in a, on a branch in Texas. We used to sit in the back of the pickup truck and go 50, you know. But I mean, we've realized that that was not a very safe manner of transportation. And over time... You know, you've, you know, and I, the other piece too is um, uh, in the, that analogy around vehicles, uh, five, what, not even five years ago, you used to buy the Garmin GPS to put in your car, right? And that was an additional thing. It was super useful, 
but it was another feature that you needed and you had to know how to kind of click, click, click and configure this and set it up and whatever and you needed to put it in the right place. Nowadays, modern vehicles, it's either in a console right in front of you or worst case, you take your phone, which has the GPS in it, you Bluetooth it to the car and then you just stick it into a holder and go on about your way. So it's become lighter weight, but that feature that's so valuable has been integrated into how you use the vehicle. Absolutely. Right. So again, all, basically coming back to the same, uh, same idea, you know, the more you're thinking about safety and security earlier on, the better you are overall as you become larger. So um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's pretty clear, uh, not just from a, you know, just from the security aspect of, you know, uh, of uh, attacks, you know, and things like that, but also from an internal, uh, the amount of money, what, what it costs to change security applications, to add new extra things on top of what you're building from the beginning. I mean, it seems like, you know, if you just had those bases covered at the beginning, you're not going to be building a whole new, you know, rocket ship later you won't be able to do it or it will cost you way too much money and so you're talking about dealing with potential issues from attackers and data leakage and and key and, and you know all that stuff and then at the same time you're talking about the cost of doing the business right and and building the application and shipping it so uh, a lot a lot for everyone to think about um, and the next the next time we talk maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, zero trust we could do that. I've, I know a thing or two about it. I've heard about it. Uh, I, I'm sure you have. And also how it's connected to this whole idea of dealing with developers, because developers also do have to securely access data and, and applications from their homes, especially. And I know this is you know beating a dead horse already. We're all working from home for the past bunch of years. So we really need to make sure that the way we're getting into our systems is secured. Yeah, and, and again, it's it shouldn't be it shouldn't be difficult for you to do this. The technology to do this stuff is there, and it doesn't have to be miserable. And if it is miserable, you need better tech. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Chase Cunningham, it was really great to have you as the first guest of the DevSec for Startups podcast. I really had a great time. Thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to being in touch again and uh, having you on uh, for another episode. That's great, man. I appreciate your time and, uh, you know, congrats on starting something new. Yeah. Got to do it, right? That's the key. Just get started, see where it leads you, and uh, hopefully uh, everyone finds some value in, uh, in what we're trying to do. Um, and let's make sure we keep our, uh, our, our things secure and uh, make sure we keep security as a first-class citizen. There you go. Perfect. Thanks so much. Have a great one. Thanks.